This is the broadcast voice of Marshall University. WMUL-FM, Huntington, West Virginia. And now, News Center 88 at 5, the area source for the most complete news coverage from across the campus of Marshall University and the Huntington Tri-State area. And now, the News Center 88 team. Good evening, everyone, for this Monday, October 3rd, 2022. I'm David Atkins. And I'm Michaela Wheeler. Coming up this evening on News Center 88, the UK scraps tax cut for the wealthy. All on your only daily source for Marshall Broadcast News. Rebecca Law will be in with the Metro Huntington weather forecast, and Ray Reinerson will be in with the FM 88 Sports Report. The current temperature outside is a cloudy 67 degrees. And now on to our top story. Days after Hurricane Ian carved a path of destruction from Florida to the Carolinas, the dangers persisted and even worsened in some places. It was clear the road to recovery from the storm will be long and painful. Search and rescue efforts are ongoing today, and Ian still is not done. Officials warned there still was the potential of severe flooding along Virginia's coast, and coast flooding was possible from the North Carolina Outer Banks to Long Island today. Ian was one of the strongest storms to make landfall in the United States. The British government has dropped plans to cut income tax for top earners. The move was part of a package of unfunded cuts that sparked turmoil in, on financial markets and sent the pound to record lows. Treasury Chief Quasi Quarte said today that he would abandon plans to scrap the top 45 percent rate of income tax paid on earnings above £150,000 a year. The announcement comes as more lawmakers from the governing Conservative Party turn on government tax plans. The announcement of £45 billion in tax cuts sent the pound tumbling to a record low against the dollar. The Bank of England had to step in to stabilize the bond markets. The Supreme Court began its new term today with a new justice on the bench, the public back in the courtroom, and a spirited debate in a case that pits environmental protections against property rights. The new member of the court, Justice Kentaji Brown-Jackson, wasted no time in joining the lively give-and-take, asking questions throughout nearly two hours of arguments in the dispute over the nation's main anti-water pollution law, the Clean Water Act. Jackson, appointed by President Joe Biden, seemed to be generally aligned with the court's other two liberal justices in favor of Justice Department arguments to preserve the authority of the federal government to regulate wetlands under the Clean Water Act against a business-backed challenge. Jair Bolsonaro considerably outperformed the polls in Brazil's presidential election, proving that the far-right wave he rode to the presidency remains a force. Multiple polls had indicated leftist former President Luiz Ignacio Lula da Silva was far out front, with some suggesting he could even clinch a first-round victory yesterday and showing margins that neared or exceeded double digits. In the end, Bolsonaro came within just five percentage points, less than half of the margin several surveys showed before the election. He will face De Silva in a high-stakes October 30th presidential runoff. Swedish scientist Font Pabo has won this year's Nobel Prize in Medicine for his discoveries on human evolution. Pabo spearheaded the development of new techniques that allowed researchers to compare the genome of modern humans and our closest extinct relatives the Neanderthals, and Denisovans. 
While Neanderthal bones were first discovered in the mid-19th century only by unlocking their DNA, often referred to as the code of life, have scientists been able to fully understand the links between species. This included the time when modern humans and Neanderthals diverged as a species, and that mixing between them took place at later dates. The Medicine Prize kicked off a week of Nobel Prize announcements. Coming up, the most serious case to reach trial in the attack on the U.S. Capitol. That and more news from across the tri-state when News Center 88 returns, right after this. Social restrictions. Guidelines posted on every building. Fear that a simple sneeze might be more. COVID precautions prevent infection and should prepare people for if they do test positive. It's been a really rough adjustment because like I've never been back to what I was before I had COVID. After nearly three years of preparing for COVID symptoms, some say they weren't prepared for the after effects. They didn't give me any instruction at all. The marshal like, gave me the basic, watch your symptoms, if anything happens, just come back, talk to us. But the health department just took my test and sent me the results and I never heard it. Summer Bowling said she expected light side effects after being fully vaccinated. Is it a lack of post-COVID preparation or is it a case of vaccinated symptoms versus unvaccinated symptoms? In a world without COVID, I would have just thought I was tired from just everyday life without that even. Um, and after that, I didn't really have any symptoms, I would say. Dawn from Campus Ministry says, whether you are vaccinated or unvaccinated, post-COVID symptom advice remains the same. Uh, just take it easy, uh, give yourself time to recover, and uh, just take the advice of uh, the CDC and stuff and, and do your quarantine well. As of February 25th, 2022, Marshall University reported that 82.9% of the total Marshall population has been vaccinated and 57,070 tests have been administered. If you or anyone you know have questions or concerns regarding COVID, contact Marshall at COVID-19 at marshall.edu or the Cabell Huntington Health Department at cabellhealth.org backslash COVID-19 backslash. For News Center 88, I'm Michaela Wheeler. I'm David Atkins, the continuity director here at WMUL, and here are some important academic dates for Marshall University during March 2022. Spring break begins Monday, March 14th, and will end Friday, March 18th. Classes will resume the following Monday, March 21st. Also Monday, March 21st, advanced registration opens for summer classes, and it's the recommended date to apply for summer graduation. Monday, March 28th, is the recommended date to apply for December 2022 graduation. As midterms are underway at Marshall University, Students are preparing for a much-needed break. With spring break quickly approaching, students are feeling a sense of relief as they look to recharge over the week. As Matt Schaefer reports, students are looking forward to finishing midterms and having a chance to recover over spring break. Students are finally able to enjoy the outdoor space on the Marshall University campus again as the weather begins to warm up. However, outside the student center may still seem a little quiet compared to normal. This because most of these students are preparing for midterm exams. But in just over a week, the outdoor space on campus will seem quiet for a very different reason, spring break. While midterms seem to be the primary focus for most students, spring break will certainly be lingering in the back of their mind. 
I am excited. I get to go home and see my family, and I get to go hopefully on a camping trip too. Very. So excited, yes. <laughs> time off and like that's time off that you're not gonna have to study or do as much work as you do during you know normal yeah. days. Spring break not only offers students the opportunity to relax but it also offers students a chance to recharge and prepare for the remainder of the semester. It gives them a chance to go home recharge and then they can come back fresh and not overwhelmed from midterms and stuff. Midterms are like so stressful and everything so it's a nice break to have. While most students continue to both work and study hard, spring break will offer students a chance to recoup and prepare to finish the spring semester with a clearer mind. For New Center 88, I'm Matt Schaefer. Ambulance sirens, a morbid yet familiar tune that can often be heard racing through the streets of Huntington after an opioid overdose. Programs here at Marshall University have hosted training sessions that provide students with the ability to help those suffering from an overdose by using naloxone, the life-saving medication often referred to as Narcan. If someone has a uh, substance poisoning or overdose, uh, naloxone could be administered and save their lives. That was John Prentice, a third-year Marshall grad student who hosted a naloxone training session earlier this week. According to an April 2021 report from the West Virginia Department of Health and Human Resources, an increase in overdose deaths has been seen nationwide since 2019, with the COVID pandemic only serving as an accelerator. When you are experiencing a opioid uh, poisoning or overdose, you uh, can stop breathing, and it's important that someone's close by when you're not breathing so they can administer this life-saving uh, drug. Leah Tolliver, the director of Marshall's Wellness Center, encourages as many students as possible to take the time to learn how to carry and administer naloxone. Whether or not you think you'll ever need that skill, it is life-saving. Training on how to administer naloxone offered here on campus comes at no expense for students. There are people at the health department uh, that are more than willing to come by and uh, help uh, teach and distribute uh, naloxone. All you gotta do is call, so it's completely free. Students who are interested in learning more about naloxone training or who are suffering from substance abuse disorder are able to reach out to Marshall's Wellness Center or Collegiate Recovery Community for assistance. For New Center 88, I'm Connor Woodruff. Halloween falls once again and Canova, West Virginia has a fun pastime for you to enjoy. Rick Griffith, a member of the West Virginia House of Delegates, turns his historic home into the Pumpkin House just in time for the spooky holiday every year. Griffith started the Pumpkin House in 1978, carving with his three daughters when they were young. Well, I started carving pumpkins for them and filling up space along the porch rail and then the porch roof and the upper roof. Then it bled into the yard and became an obsessive compulsive disorder. This year, the Pumpkin House features 3,000 pumpkins with designs ranging from classic jack-o'-lanterns to all 46 U.S. presidents. There's even a section where the lyrics to John Denver's song Country Roads are carved in, and the pumpkins light up as the lyrics are played. With so many pumpkins to carve, Griffith relies on the help of many volunteers. The help that we get is unbelievable. I always say there are two blessings that I have in this. The wonderful people I get to meet and the kindness of over a thousand volunteers that just walk into my yard and say, how can I help? Benjamin Wells, Marshall University's Methodist campus pastor, has been helping out at the Pumpkin House for 10 years. Having no idea he could carve until Griffith encouraged him to try it, Wells now spends many late evenings carving in the week leading to the Pumpkin House's open. Wells loves witnessing the community involvement through the event and often brings along his students to witness it too. I tell people when you're carving, you know, be sure you take a picture of your pumpkin so you can remember it and you can see it and go, yeah, I know I carved that. I think it's really neat to walk around and not only go, 
hey, I carved that. But to see this event and all the people it brings out and to go, I was part of the team that made this happen. From local residents to visitors from other countries, many people come to see the Pumpkin House every year. The week of the Pumpkin House produces the largest B&O tax of Canova's calendar year. Griffith is already planning new and exciting things for the Pumpkin House next year to continue bringing in the tourists. For News Center 88, I'm John Boggess. 52 years ago today at 7.36 p.m., Southern Airways Flight 932 crashed just short of the Tri-State Airport. All 75 people on board perished. Today, Marshall is continuing to honor their legacy. Marshall University President Brad D. Smith spoke today about the impact the 75 continue to have on the Marshall community. Today is a day that we mark this moment and we remember the 75. This day is personal for all of us and our stories have become their legacy. Their legacy is one many learned through stories because people such as Vince Corelli, keynote speaker for this year's ceremony, were too young at the time to remember people such as his father, Al Corelli Jr., who died in the crash, or even the events of that night. Cheerfully, we bathed, put away the toys, and cuddled up together on the couch when a bulletin flashed across the screen. It said that a DC-9 had gone down about one half mile from the Huntington Tri-State Airport runway. The next few moments were a void. I only know that when I became aware again, I was crying and so were Corelli shared a letter from his mother that recounted the events of the night of the crash and stated it was his mother's strength that shaped him as a human being and enhanced his pride in the Marshall community. I, mean, I, I meant what I said at the end of my speech. I mean, there is no example better than Marshall University. And because you got to understand what I was actually playing was the beginning of the run for Marshall. So they were starting, they went to their first national championship my sophomore year and then won their first one after I was done. But, I mean, that was when they went on the run in the 90s. Just the whole ashes to glory thing. It's just unbelievable. But to me, that's it. I mean, that's my biggest thing. My biggest takeaway is... For Corelli, it's the Marshall students now that carry on the legacy of the 75. That you guys as students here carry a, a phenomenal... I, I know I said it in my speech, but I can't say it enough. I think that the culture here that you guys have in... Really, it's almost like you guys are part of the 75, the way you handle yourselves. I think that's really important, and it's pretty inspiring to people that are directly affected. So. The story for Corelli isn't one of sadness, but strength and pride that the Marshall community continues to inspire. I am totally inspired by how this university instills in its culture and its students the honor in which you grab onto the fact that the 75 and this tragedy didn't define the school and you just carry it on with such honor it's just it's very impressive of how the school carries that on and, and we are because they were for news center 88 i'm michaela wheeler So we were just wondering, how do you plan to delegate and run a cabinet with no one else who has done cabinet, Senate, or Supreme Court before? Experience as in uh, experience in student government. Mm -hmm. And in Senate, yes. I, I don't believe that that's necessary for anyone on a cabinet. Um, it's, it's something that we actually look to avoid uh, because having all of the same thought patterns, like 
Nico and I have enough experience for everyone on uh, the cabinet for with SGA. Uh, there's no need to go any deeper with um, having different senators or uh, or other students that really like are. The Senate has had the same track of thought for the since I came to Marshall. That's been my biggest gripe uh, with the Senate and with student government that things don't change that things stay the same. So I'm, I'm not worried about uh, the cabinet's experience. Uh, Elizabeth Fleece, she is an RA uh, in Buskirk Hall. She understands the st or her students' needs. She understands those things. And that's why we brought her in to be our uh, press secretary. Addison Wilson, she is involved in several organizations, including Alpha, or <laughs> Alpha Chi Omega, as well as um, uh, the Village Project. We brought her in because she was, she's a capable leader. She's a graduate of Jameli. Um, and she is also extremely talented at communicating with people. Uh, she's our chief of staff for that reason. We don't want to keep sharing in the same thoughts that have previously been there. That's why we brought Astoria Beckett, whose uh, father was actually a vice president of the student, or for the Student Government Association at Marshall whenever he was here. We just she's have also a few questions. That keynote was incredible, but your experience in general, I'm sure, has been quite the whirlwind um, experience. I had a question. Do you guys see your dad and how you raise your child or children today? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think as far as uh, instilling the the don't give up attitude, I think we do that, um, and I think it's in every 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 one of our kids in our family. Um, I think most of what we have from our father comes from his mother. Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, of course. And. Uh, I mean, I remember her making me memorize poems of like, you know, never say no, you can do anything, all those positive kind of thoughts. And I try to instill that in all of my family and definitely my daughter. My daughter actually was a college athlete too, and she's got a real positive attitude. So, yeah, I see that. I, I, I can see I hadn't really thought about that before, but, yeah, that's yeah. an interesting question. One, one of the things, if I can add up. Okay. One of the big things is – stepping out and doing what a leader would do and I, I see that in our dad um, and, and of course stories of course but um, I don't know if you recall when mom made us put spoons on our nose in the <laughs> in the restaurants and didn't care what people thought of you so it's one of those uh, and my, my kids do the same thing so that makes sense now we heard that you were actually a surprise guest today for your brother I was <laughs> didn't know that he was coming nope but another surprise was our faculty manager, his family was actually your all's neighbors at the time. So that's, we got a little bit of background information ahead of time. It's uh, Letty and Charlie Watkes. Oh my God. Neighbors? Yes. Yeah, 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 Uncle Charles. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, they had a lot of good things to say about your dad. Yeah. So it was nice to hear you get up there and I liked, in relation to years past, you did obviously pay respects and talk about your dad, but you talked a lot about what the experience taught you and that it's not about chapter one. It's about who you are at the end, and that, that really stuck with me. Well, that's great. So I've got to know some of the other quotes and things that have stuck out for you all in life. 
maybe not that you've learned from this experience, but other experiences that have really shaped you all as human beings? Yeah. Well, you know, people you just mentioned, Joy Bayless is here. I guess her, that's not her name now. But <laughs> that Bayless family became really, really close with and the Watkies are part of that family, became really close with my parents in the short time they lived here. And every time we've ever been to Huntington, when I was in high school or coming here after whatever, we're always at the Baylisses. So that's where we always hung out. They were like family. Now they're living in different places. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's um, – I guess I just kind of spoke from the heart because that's been my thing. You know, I, I had a lot of failures in my collegiate – days i had you know it's it's really bad one of the things i learned you focus on the negative too much right right like all i can think about is all the bad things i did when i but i actually had some good games too we played i mean i had successes flashes but um you know i think that is my biggest thing and i mean i, I meant what i said at the end of my speech i mean there is no example better than marshall university and because you got to understand when i was actually playing was the beginning of the run for marshall so they were starting. They went to their first national championship my sophomore year and then won their first one after I was done. But, I mean, that was when they went on the run in the 90s. And just the whole ashes to glory thing. It's just unbelievable. But to me, that's it. I mean, that's my biggest thing. My biggest takeaway is what I kind of shared today is, you know, we all have – I mean, I, I reference James. You know, James teaches us in the scriptures that it's not when. It's, I mean, it's not if. It's when. Bad things are going to happen, and it's how we handle those things uh, that make us who we are. Welcome back to News Center 88. I'm Rebecca Law, and now it's time for your Metro Huntington weather forecast. Currently, it is a cloudy 39 degrees. Today, the temperature is a high of 40 and a low of 27 degrees. This afternoon called for light snow showers, but it never got cold enough to stick. The winds this afternoon will subside this evening. However, it will still be cloudy and very cold. Tomorrow, we will see a high of 45 and a low of 27 degrees. There will be considerable cloudiness all day with light and variable winds. On Sunday, the high will be 52 and the low will be 27 degrees. There will be winds up to 15 miles per hour all day and some clouds in the morning. However, by the afternoon, we should have clear and sunny skies provided by Mr. Sunshine. On this day in weather history, in 2009, two Alaskan communities set their all-time records for highest wind speed. St. Paul registers a wind of 91 miles per hour, and on St. George Island, the wind reaches 94 miles per hour. Thanks to weather.com and weatherforyou.com for this information. Currently outside the WMUL studios, it is a cloudy 39 degrees. That's your Metro Huntington weather forecast for New Center 88. I'm Rebecca Law. Thanks, Rebecca. Now Justin Zimmer and Ben Cower join us with the FM88 Sports Report. Good evening, Mikhail. Marshall University announced the hiring of Christian Spears to serve as the university's 22nd athletic director. Here's a recap of this morning's proceedings. This morning, Marshall University announced the hiring of Christian Spears to serve as the university's 22nd athletic director. Spears joins the Thundering Herd after serving as deputy AD at Pittsburgh. One of the biggest challenges that Spears will face in the first few days on the job will be the lawsuit between the Thundering Herd and Conference USA. Today, Spears committed to let interim athletic director Jeff O'Malley finish the legal battle. You know, Jeff has done such an amazing job managing this situation. Uh, you know, when you start something and you begin that leadership role, Jeff needs to see that through, and I'm so confident he will. He's established a really nice rapport and during the entire process, knows all the issues, 
and he will shepherd us through that. And I'm so confident in his leadership and his ability to do that. Uh, I'll play and have an understanding of all things that happen there, uh, but Jeff is really gonna be the leader on that. And, and he's been working with Brad at a really high level. Um, I know what's happening publicly. I've read the papers as well. Uh, I've seen some success with the TRO, uh, and I just have immense confidence in Jeff's leadership on this. So we'll, we'll work with Jeff, and, and we'll keep moving that thing forward, and, and we'll be better for it because of Jeff. Another challenge in the first few months on the job will be construction of a brand-new baseball stadium. You know, President Smith and I talked about this at length, and, and the staff as well. Uh, you know, when you're playing a sport and you don't have a facility, and you've been asked to compete, it is a very difficult thing to do, right? So, you know, we first we need to thank our program, this historic coach we've had, uh, where we're currently doing, because what they've been able to accomplish without a venue is truly amazing. And those student athletes, that baseball staff, they're having a good experience. They're bringing those kids along without a venue. Uh, so I just have so much respect for what they've done there. So each and every day, from March 14th on, we are going to work to get that stadium figured out, right? We are going to work immediately when I get started to get that. Already had a nice conversation with Steve right when I walked in the door. Right? And Steve introduced himself and said, hey, we're going to get this baseball stadium figured out. Right? So you got, you got the mayor and the president who brought it up to me on the very first day and about mm, 75 other people. Right? So I might have lost count, um, but I look forward to digging in on it and we're going to get it figured out. President Brad D. Smith raved about his first major hire as president and the retention of interim athletic director Jeff O'Malley, according to Smith, will place the athletic department in a great position going forward. That would be an amazing outcome for us. Jeff is an icon in our institution. He's invested 20 years here. He's beloved. Everyone loves and trusts him. He is an amazing, amazing partner. And I think if he makes the decision to stay and Christian is excited about him staying, then we're going to have a dynamic duo that cannot be competed with. Christian Spears starts his new role as athletic director March 14th. For FM88 Sports, I'm Justin Zimmer. Marshall women's basketball was back at home last night against the Middle Tennessee State University Blue Raiders. FM88 Sports, Ben Cower has the recap. Last night, the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders visited the Cam Henderson Center to duel with the Marshall Thundering Herd in women's basketball. Despite a strong individual effort from Savannah Wheeler, who led both teams in scoring with 22 points on the night, the game resulted in the continuing of a short but undesirable streak for the Herd. Two losses in a row where the Herd's opponent scored exactly 65 points. Charlotte scored 65 on the Herd defense last Saturday, and last night it was Middle Tennessee's turn. The Herd entered the night as the fifth-ranked team in the East Division, whereas Middle Tennessee was ranked in second, only to Charlotte, who, as previously mentioned, just defeated the Herd in its last game. Playing the top two teams in the East Division in consecutive games was a tough test for the Herd, in a test that ultimately the Herd did not pass. But enough about tests. What happened in the game? Marshall only lost by eight points. Did they collapse in the fourth quarter? No. Marshall was only outscored by three points in the fourth scoring 12 to the Blue Raiders' 15. In fact, Marshall outscored Middle Tennessee by six total points in the second and third quarters. Ultimately, the eight-point deficit remained from a tumultuous first quarter by the Herd defense, where the Herd gave up 25 points to the Blue Raiders' offense. The Herd only scored 14 points in comparison during the first quarter. That 11-point deficit was the hole that the Herd dug itself early, could never quite dig itself out of. And speaking of that first quarter, how on earth did the Blue Raiders put up so many points in 10 minutes? Oh, it was an air raid, with Middle Tennessee knocking down five three-point shots in the first quarter alone. In comparison, the Herd only hit seven three-point shots the entirety of the game. The second and third quarters proved to be a solid comeback period for Marshall, as it actually took the lead with five minutes remaining in the third quarter, with a three-point 
three-pointer from Aliyah Dunham, making the score 37-38. Furby to Wheeler. Wheeler attacks. Pump fakes. Backdoor pass to Johnson. She's doubled. Cross-score pass. Dunham three from the left wing. Money. Marshall's got its first lead. And the herd is on an 11-0 run to take the 38-37 lead. Middle Tennessee retook the lead two minutes later with a Courtney Whitson three-pointer to make the score 43-41 in favor of the Blue Raiders. Raven inside, back out to Whitson for three, cash. That'll end the trout from the field for the Blue Raiders. Whitson has five threes, middle back up two. After that shot by Whitson, the herd hung on until the end of the quarter when a crucial matchup mistake let the Blue Raiders sneak in a buzzer-beater three-pointer by Alexis Whittington to close out the third. That score proved to be a fatal blow to the momentum the herd had built, and Middle Tennessee ultimately outscored Marshall in the fourth, en route to its 65-57 victory. In the postgame presser, Coach Kepper discussed the play at the end of the third, which changed the course of the game. Well, I mean, that was my fault. You know, that, and that's what I said. I, I wanted to, uh, I knew they were going to basically throw it into one, and I tried to match Alexis with whoever the throw-in was, and I was basically doubling, you know, one as she brought it up, and uh, we just didn't get matched up on the other end. That's my fault on the communication of that. It is what it is. It, it, that's not a backbreaker. You know, you're down five, going into the fourth quarter at home. It, it can't be a backbreaker. That's what happened. That's what we were trying to do. We did not get it done. Wheeler was the only player to score double-digit points on the night for the Herd, blistering the Blue Raiders' defense with 22 points. Middle Tennessee's Courtney Whitson scored 19 to lead three Blue Raiders in double figures, with Alexis Whittington and Courtney Blakely joining her and adding 13 and 11 points on the night. The Blue Raiders improved to 20-5 and overall and 12-3 and in Conference USA's women's basketball standings, while Marshall now dips to 13-12 and overall and 8-8 eight and eight in the conference. The Marshall women's basketball team will be back in action on Wednesday for a 7.30 p.m. tip-off at Western Kentucky. For FM 88 Sports, I'm Ben Cower. Thanks, Justin and Ben.